No prison wall he can't break through. No mountain he can't move. All things are possible. Such good news this morning. Such good news. Well, good morning, Forest Hill. Uh, good morning uh, to those of you here in the room. Good morning to those of you who are joining us from one of our other campuses or watching with us online. My name is Keith, and I am the campus pastor at our Noda campus, and it is a great honor to be before you this week. Uh, speaking of this week, this week was Thanksgiving week, and my guess is that this week looked a little bit different for most of us. My guess is that this Thanksgiving was a little bit different than Thanksgiving in years past. And different doesn't mean bad, and a lot of ways different could actually be really, really good. Uh, it was different for our family. We started, I believe, a new tradition. Uh, we got up and went for a walk mid-morning on Thursday, which is not unusual for us. Uh, but what was different is as we were walking along the Greenway, I started this game that turned into a competition that got out of hand really quickly. Here's the game. As the wind blows, we have to see who can catch the most leaves. And like that sounds really simple, but it takes just a little gust of wind and you're, you're doing one of these. And we had the best time doing it. People were walking by, looking at us, cheering us on, almost, almost, you got it. Like, it was like a real sporting event. Uh, we had so much fun that my oldest daughter, when we got home, she's like, Daddy, can you, can you keep showing me how to catch leaves? So me being the dad that I am, grabbed a few leaves from outside, went to the top of the stairs, and in the house, we're starting training camp on how to catch leaves, getting ready for next year. And so again, Thanksgiving looked a little bit different for us, but it looked different for a lot of people. I feel like this year, maybe more so than any year, that typical tension of Thanksgiving and Christmas didn't exist as much. Many people, just out of an attempt to experience more joy this year, decide to go ahead and put their Christmas decorations up well before Thanksgiving. I even saw businesses making the decision saying, hey, we're we're not going to be open on Thursday. We're gonna be closed on Thursday. Our Black Friday shopping is going to begin on Friday. We're not gonna be competing, which is a different trend than what we've seen in years past. So that Thanksgiving Christmas tension has largely been gone, but I'm actually gonna bring a little bit of that back this morning. What I mean by that is our message this morning is on Thanksgiving. But to get there, we're gonna think about the story of the announcement of the birth of Jesus. So Thanksgiving, yet the early part of what we know as the Christmas story. The reason there's tension is because this message is not the beginning of our Christmas series. For those of you who have been around for a while, you know every year we do a Christmas series. We're going to do the same this year, and that's going to start next week. Next week, our series is going to be on peace. Jesus bring the Prince of Peace and how his peace impacts every part of our lives. That starts next week. But today, today's about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is defined in the New Testament in the original language, a, a word, Eucharisto. And what it means is simply to, to give thanks, to, to render thanks, to express gratitude. And in both the New Testament and the Old Testament, this giving of thanks was largely done out loud, done in public, sung aloud. 
And that kind of thanksgiving we are going to witness in this story this morning. To do so, we're gonna look at a passage um, from Luke, Luke chapter one. And a little bit of context before we begin to read it. The beginning of this chapter is uh, the story of the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. An angel of the Lord, an angel named Gabriel, goes to a man named Zechariah. Zechariah is married to a woman named Elizabeth. And he's telling Zechariah, even though Elizabeth is up in age, she will bear a son and his name will be John the Baptist and gives him all the details. Everything that Gabriel says comes true. Elizabeth conceives and six months into her pregnancy, the angel of the Lord reappears. But this time he's come to speak to Mary. And up to this point, we don't know a ton about Mary. There's not much about Mary in scripture, but she was seemingly kind of your ordinary young Jewish woman. Um, she was engaged to a man named Joseph. But again, up to this point, we don't know a lot about her, but we get to know more about her as the gospels tell the story of Jesus. We get to know that she would be a faithful woman, that she would be obedient, uh, that she would be a bit of a sommelier, knew where to find a nice glass of wine. We learn much about Mary over time. But everything we learn about Mary is based on how she responds to this news. Her future is impacted and shaped and how she responds to this news about bearing Jesus, about conceiving Jesus. And she does so with great thanksgiving and it impacts the rest of her life. My prayer this morning for those of you who are followers of Jesus is that in the same way, thanksgiving would shape us. That thanksgiving, even in the midst of adversity and challenge, would shape us and mold us more and more to be like Jesus. That's my prayer. For those of you who are not yet followers of the Jesus, let me say welcome. My prayer for you is that you would know that thanksgiving is not reserved for just those who have good things, but also those who have good news and that on this day, you will choose to hold on to the good news of Jesus. As I said earlier, we're gonna be reading from Luke chapter one, and I'd like to invite you all out of thanksgiving for the word of God. Those of you who are able, will you please stand? Before we read, will you join me in prayer? So Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. The gift it is to us, the guide it is to us. And we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would allow it to come alive in our hearts and that we would walk away with a deeper understanding of not just it, but of you. And that we will be changed as a result of our time this morning. Father, we love you, we trust you. We do all this for you and through you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Luke 1, starting at verse 26, it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. 
but she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. Following this news, Mary runs off to see Elizabeth, excited to share in that good news. And Elizabeth actually hears her before she sees her. And at the sound of Mary's voice, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's wombs jumps for joy. And as Mary comes in, the Holy Spirit comes into Elizabeth and she affirms Mary, you in fact will be the mother of our Lord and Savior. And Mary's response to that news is in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm and he has scattered the proud because of their thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. We're gonna take a look at this passage beginning at the top. In verse 28, Gabriel approaches Mary and says to her, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And what we see in verse 29 is that Mary's a little bit thrown off by this. It says she was troubled by the statement. But what's interesting to me is she wasn't troubled by the fact that she was speaking to an angel. And maybe this was her first time, maybe it was 100. We, we don't know. But it says that she was troubled by the statement, this favor. And it makes me ask the question, I, I wonder if Mary felt favored. I wonder if she had anything in her life that made her feel as if she had the favor of God or that God was with her. Again, we don't know much about her, but she was a young woman in a patriarchal society. I wonder for her if anything made her feel favored. I wonder if the gap between how she saw herself or what she thought of herself was the reason she was troubled with the words of Gabriel. And I ask that question understanding that if we're honest, I think that's true of us too. 
I think sometimes we struggle with how we see ourselves, what we think of ourselves compared to what God says of us. Our thoughts and our views on ourselves don't always align and match up with what he says. And I think that's what we're experiencing here. But the thing about favor, as we begin to look at it and understand it, it's very similar to righteousness. What I mean by that is favor has little to do with what we think and how we view ourselves and everything to do with what God thinks and how he views us. And his word says that we are favored. Favored because we are his handiwork, his creation, favor because we are that which he is for. He says we are favored. And that feels a bit uncomfortable to us because it's, it's unmerited. But that doesn't make it untrue. And the same is true for Mary. Then the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you. And like, I can't think of a better greeting than that. The Lord is with you. That's a powerful greeting, right? I see people all the time, we greet one another, but there's something about being reminded that the Lord is with you. Kim, the Lord is with you. Brantley, the Lord is with you. I may start doing that. Don't get weird on me if I start greeting you all with the Lord is with you. It's powerful. But in verse 29, she was deeply troubled. A red flag had gone off for her. She wasn't sure what was happening. Is this a test? Is, is this charm? Is, this, is there a question behind the question? What's happening here? And I think we've all been in that place where someone asks you something and you're just a little caught off guard. It's like having a boss who never asks you anything about your personal life. It's always just about business. And then one day out of the blue wants to know your plans for the weekend. And in your mind, you're like, she about to ask me to cover her shift? Like, what? What's happened? Let me, let me answer wisely, make sure I sound very busy. And before you can respond, she's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know there's a pop-up happening in Camp North End. I think you would love it. That's what's happening here with Mary. She's, what's, what, what are you doing? But before she can even get into that, the angel of the Lord speaks again in verse 30. The angel tells her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He's doing his best to reassure her once again that she is safe, she is in a good place, she is favored by God. Then he gets into the reason for the visit. He says, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and called the son of the most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will know no end. Mary, unlike most of us, did not have the opportunity and privilege of naming her own son. His name would be far too important. His name, Jesus, which is the equivalent of the uh, Hebrew Joshua, meaning savior. Mary was listening and learning that she would be the one who would birth the Messiah. The angel was telling her that the one that she would give birth to will be the son of the most high, that he'd be the one whose reign would last forever. His kingdom would know no end. 
this is who her son would be. Not some average son, but the son of God. Mary's response to this, which I think is fair, it's like, how? Like, how? And this wasn't one of those hows that was full of doubt, right? How's one of those words, depending on how you say, can have multiple meanings. Example, we've probably all watched an episode of House Hunters, right? Some of you know where I'm going already. Got this young couple, uh, they, are, they met at work. They're both cashiers at their local grocery store, which is honorable work, right? Uh, just graduated college 20 minutes ago and they're starting their new life and they're out with their realtor in the middle of some small town in Kansas and their budget is $750,000. And you look at the TV screen and you're like, how? Like how in the world is that their budget? That's one version of how, where there's doubt and confusion. Mary's not asking it in this way. Mary actually believes, but she just is curious about the logistics. Here's another example. Your car is on its last leg and you know it. You've been dragging your leg on replacing it for years. And one morning it will not start. You have it towed to a mechanic that you trust, just waiting to get the confirmation on the bad news so that you can go and do what you need to do. Sitting in the lobby, scrolling through your phone, and about 15 minutes later, the mechanic drives around with your car and says, oh, everything's fixed. It was pretty easy. You should have another 100,000 miles on your car. And clearly you believe because your car is running and you see it, but you're like, how? How? You just want to understand what's happening, the logistics of it. That's exactly where Mary is. Her question is well received by Gabriel. And what it does is it allows him the opportunity to get into some of the details about her son. It gives him the chance to tell her that her son would not just be some human son that God would adopt in the same way that you and I have been adopted. Her son would be different. Her son would actually be the son of God conceived of the spirit of God. This spirit, this holy spirit, the creative power of God, the third person of the Trinity, the spirit that would initiate the life of Jesus, the spirit that would do the same thing after he was dead for three days would bring him back to life yet again. This spirit that resides in you and I once we put our trust and faith in Jesus. This was the answer to the how. The answer to Mary's question was God. Her son would be different. With that, Mary was out of questions. She only had one and Gabriel answered it. And so her response we see in verse 38. See, I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it happen to me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. Simple summary. Mary said yes and amen. Submission and affirmation. 
But this wasn't her only response. Again, she met with Elizabeth and they shared stories of what had happened and what was true of them. And then she responds again with a thanksgiving at this point that's just bubbling up in her. She has to get it out. So she responds in song. In verses 46 through 48. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. My soul magnifies. Mary's innermost being, her most prized possession, all that she had was magnifying the Lord. This wasn't some shallow, cheap thanksgiving. This wasn't some flippant praise for a moment. This was everything that she was giving thanks to God for who he is, what he had done, and what he was about to do through her. She was thankful. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Mary knew that she too was not without sin that she was in need of a savior and that God was providing that through her. For that, she was thankful. For a God who would look down upon her humble condition, a God who cares and looks down on the lowly, for that, Mary was thankful. For a God that we see in verse 49, who is mighty, who is all powerful, for that, Mary was thankful. For all that we see in verses 50 through 55, for a God who's merciful, mighty, powerful, one who satisfies the hunger of his people, the one who is a helper of his people, one who remembers mercy always for that, Mary was thankful. She was thankful. But it's important to understand that this moment was not without hardship or stress for Mary. At this point, she had to have been asking herself, wondering, how do I share this news to Joseph? How do I share this news that I'm pregnant to the man I'm engaged, the, the man who I'm, I've yet to be with? And at this point, she didn't know that the angel of the Lord would take care of that for her. This news could have been catastrophic for her relationship. Could have been catastrophic for her reputation, for the prospect of even a future relationship. But in this moment, Mary was occupied giving thanks, trusting that the God that she just praised was bigger than any challenge she could ever face. Trusting that what the Lord was doing in her would be bigger than any challenge, any relationship, any loss that she could ever experience this side of eternity. And for that, even in the midst of the unknown, even in hard times, she gave thanks. And it begs the question this morning, Forest Hill, does this describe us? Does this describe us in hard moments? Are we able to lean on the goodness of God, who he is, what he's done, and what he has promised us ahead? And because of that, do we give Thanks. Was the conversation around our tables on Thursday just some act of ritual or obligation, or was it real worship for a God who is worthy of our thanks? Thankfulness, the word that best describes us, 
our temperament, our attitude, our spirit. I think another question we need to ask ourselves in light of this is what do we do with this? How do we respond to this? And I wanna give two ways. Earlier I mentioned for those of you who are not followers of Jesus that my prayer is that you would know that Thanksgiving is not just reserved for those who have good things, but those who have good news. And this morning there is good news. We call it gospel. It's gonna sound very familiar because it's similar to what Gabriel said to Mary on that day. That same good news is being offered to you. Jesus is offering to give you and provide a favor irregardless of how you feel. Jesus is offering that he will be with you always and a reminder that you do not have to be afraid. Jesus wants you to know more than just his birth story, who he is, his name, that he is Messiah and Savior. He wants you to know it personally today. Jesus is offering the same thing that Mary was offered to know and to experience new life. One of the best ways we respond to this good news is by accepting this good news. There's anyone here today who has yet to put their trust in Jesus. The opportunity is yours today. We'll have more on that as we end our time today in this space and at our other campuses. But I wanna take a moment to speak to those of you who are watching online. Those of you who have yet to put your trust in Jesus, I want you to know that this opportunity is real and it is now. Right now there is an email address up on your screen and I know that's weird. I know that's a little bit awkward, but it is 2020 and we are trying to make the best of things. But I want you to know if you today wanna to put your faith in Jesus, this is a real opportunity. Though we may not be in the room with you, please believe that God is and this counts. Today can be the day that you with thanksgiving can respond to the good news of God. For those of us who've already put our faith in Jesus, I think the way we respond to this is by committing in every season, even the hard ones, to give thanks. And I understand that's a challenge. I understand that there are real challenges in life. Mary knew that to be true as well. Mary in the middle of the night had to flee with her newborn and with her husband because Herod was trying to kill them. Mary had to unfortunately from a distance watch as her son was nailed up to a cross on top of a hill. I have to imagine that in that moment, Mary looking at what most thought would be the end, that her mind took her back to the beginning, back to the conversation she had with Gabriel, back to the song of thanksgiving and the promise and the hope that she had. I have to imagine that her thanksgiving sustained her in that moment. Even in the hardest of seasons, she was able to hold on to her thanksgiving and it changed things. The season is hard. Thanksgiving makes it better. It'd be a bit tone deaf of me to talk about Thanksgiving in 2020 and not talk about 2020. 
This year has been tough to say the least. My guess is if we did a rewind to Thanksgiving of 2019, many of us around our tables gave thanks for great health, for the health of ourselves and for the health of our loved ones. That was a bit harder this year. My guess is we rewound back to 2019. Many of us around our tables gave thanks for work and employment, but that was a bit harder this year. My guess is that many of us, if we think back to 2019, gave thanks for relationships and how they were growing. But for many of us, that too was a bit harder this year. My encouragement is that we give thanks. Thanksgiving has a way of making even hard seasons better. Mary is an example of this, but she is not our only example of this. If we remember, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after giving thanks, broke it. After giving thanks, broke it. And yes, I do believe that God was, Jesus was blessing the elements, that he was giving thanks for the meal, but might Jesus also have been giving thanks for what was attached to that bread? Might in that moment, Jesus was giving thanks for the promise that was associated to the breaking of the bread, the breaking of his body. Might Jesus in that moment have been giving thanks as a way of steadying his heart for what lay before him? Because again, it was on the night he was betrayed. You see, thanksgiving has a way of reshaping things, even the hard things of life like crucifixion. 2020 has been brutal. May we give thanks. Last week, Jason accurately described this year as a dumpster fire. Give thanks. For many of us, this year is literally the hardest year of our lives. Give thanks. And please understand, I don't say that in a way to be dismissive of our pain. I say it with the expectation that giving thanks changes our pain. Giving thanks shapes us more and more into the image of the one that we bear. It makes us more and more like Jesus. Thanksgiving's also a way that we get to see God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Spoiler alert, there's gonna be a lot of Thanksgiving in heaven. A deep, a rich Thanksgiving for the goodness of God, but good news, we can start now. Even in the midst of a hard year, we can start now with thanksgiving. It changes everything. If you're unsure of where to start, for what to give thanks, what's your first step? May I suggest that which inspired Mary, that same good news. For unto us a child was born, a son given. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you.
We thank you for being a model, most importantly, for being our savior, for being Messiah, for being willy, for being faithful. And on a Sunday where we get to see all parts of the Trinity, we want to take a moment to thank God for the full Trinity for the Father being willing to send the Son, for the Father being one who looks upon the humble, upon the lowly, and doesn't just look but responds, but moves in our favor. We thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for just your flawless execution and your work in regards to the life of Jesus, but also with us. That the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us and those seasons in our life right now may feel and appear dead. We have the Holy Spirit who brings things back to life. We thank you. God, as you know, this year has been a challenge for all of us, but may that not impact our thanksgiving because you are worthy, you are good, you are God prayer for myself and for my friends this morning is that we would live lives full of thanksgiving now and forever. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.